I want to read the Christmas story from Matthew's gospel. We did it from Luke's gospel on Christmas Eve, the day before Christmas, and so the day after. I want to read it from Matthew's gospel. And I don't know if you knew this, but the 12 days of Christmas, who knows the song? All right. Who knows the story? Less of us? All right. A couple of you. So um, I didn't really grow up in a religious household, so we didn't, I didn't have any real tradition this way. But some of you, if you grew up in a very traditional home, you would know the 12 days of Christmas we're in right now. We're just getting started. And it would go through to January the 6th. And that's when you would take down your gifts because January 6th um, announces when the Magi would have arrived at the manger scene. Okay? So we're in that time period. And so we'll read that story and see if we can gain something from it today. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born, the king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And when he called together the chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what is written by the prophet. And he quotes the prophet. And then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go, make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is during the 12 days of Christmas. And I thought, you know, there's a couple of things that might speak to us during this time. And the first one sort of jumps to my mind is that you know, all of us probably at one point or another in our life have looked to God for guidance. You know, anybody here said, boy, I wish I've just prayed. I asked God for a sign of guidance. Do I go this direction or do I go that direction? Do I, do I stay with this girl or this guy or do I break that off? Do I, you know, take this job or go to this school? Anybody ever look to God for some guidance, a little bit of help? Certainly, it's one of the things that I get asked most about as a pastor. How do I know if God is guiding me here? Now, wouldn't it be nice if we all just had a big star that just showed up at our house and just we just followed along and it stopped at just the right place? And the, the reality is probably for most of us, that's never going to happen. In fact, I've never heard of anybody even claiming these kind of supernatural things a star. 
But does God guide us? Does God lead us? Does he get us on a right path, a certain path? Does God speak to us today? Coincidentally, yesterday, speaking of looking to the stars, did you know that the James Webb telescope launched on Christmas morning from French Guiana? And it's supposed to be a $10 billion telescope, probably a slight upgrade from the Magi, right? And they wouldn't say that they're looking for God. They would say they're looking for the universe to speak to them, looking for the very first stars. But it's just God by another name. In other words, from the very beginning and even till today, people look to God. To how, how, God, are you guiding us? How are you getting us? Now, some people, in my opinion, overdo this. And here's what I mean. Overly stress about God guiding them. Some people underdo it. They don't think about it at all. But, you know, it, sometimes what, what happens is people get so worried about God guiding them, they, they literally stress themselves out. So let me just take a couple things off the table. First, you're probably doing just fine. And I think that's important to say. You're probably doing just fine. You haven't seen a star. You haven't, you know, followed a meteor or anything like that. You don't get emails from God. But as you go about your daily life, you're probably doing just fine. You say, Crystal, why could you say that? Let me give you a couple of reasons. You know, it says in the book of Acts that God determined the exact times and places that they should live. So just think about this little fact. You had nothing to do with when you were born and you had nothing to do with where you were born. You're just here. You're here. There's something to that. You could have been born in the 1800s. You could have been born in the 1200s. You could have been born when Jesus walked the earth. You could have been born in Bethlehem. You could have been born in Toledo. You, you, could, have been, you could have been born in Cordell, Georgia, like me. You could have been born any number of places, but you were born when and where you were born. And there's something to that. In other words, to me, there's something de-stressing about that. To just relax and say, you know what? God put me here. And God put me here for some kind of reason. In the weeks ahead, we're going to start to explore some of that, that, that there's a purpose to our life and, and a reason that God made us the way that he made us. But just the guidance is just, you know, you arrived somewhere that had nothing to do with you. And as you think about as your life has gone on in the earlier parts of your life, you had very little say in a lot of it. In fact, didn't the stress start to come when you started to have a say? I mean, you always wanted, I want to say, I want to go to this school, or I want to live here, or I want to move here. But didn't that add the stress right away? Because now you are responsible. What if I go to this school? What if I move to this? What if I take this job? What if I, and there are consequences, dominoes that fall every time you make a decision. So the first thing you should just realize is this, is that, you know, God just, put you here, and you can relax. The other thing is, um, I think of God's guidance this way oftentimes. 
as long as I'm not screwing it up, I'm okay. No, no just, just take it for what it's worth and think about it for a minute. Because think of it this way. <clears throat> think of God as um, a parent, if this illustration or example might help, as a parent who raises his voice over time as necessary. <laughs> raises his voice over time as necessary. Have you ever been in a screaming family's house? Oh, those are tough. Now, and I used to be real judgy about all that, but I can't judge anything because now I have a child to raise of my own, so I know nothing. But, you know, it's really tough when you start at level 10. When the first thing they do wrong is everything's level 10 because there's nowhere to go. In other words, I don't know that God just starts screaming at us every time we veer off course. I'll give you a free, free one today. Who's ever veered off course? All right. Now, these are, these, veering off course can be that you're doing something harmful to yourself or harmful to someone else or sinful or that. But it could also be just like, man, that's, that's going nowhere. But if you veer off course, I take it this way. God starts with a, <clears throat> you ever seen a parent that's real good? I mean, I have. I've seen a couple parents that are really good, and it's just, <clears throat> And that means get over here before I beat your rear end, right? That's what it means. And the mom knows it, and the little one knows it. Has anybody seen this before? It's a work of art. <clears throat> There's, those are two different messages, right? And it's just a little something, and the child gets it. Mom, yeah, still in the conversation with the adults. You're darn right I will, right? And, okay, now... As the, the, as the child misses the first clue, mom has a next level, and on and on. I share a story in, in, the, in the Old Testament. It's from Numbers 22, and I, I call this the roadblocks. So here's what I think happens a lot of times. I think what happens a lot of times is God just lets us go, right? And I may have learned this. Joe was just telling us about empty nester. You have to let them go eventually. You have to let them go. And you can't start to talk to them about every single, honey, what did you eat for breakfast? Now, with Charlie, I talked to her about breakfast, lunch, dinner, every single thing. But they start making more and more and more decisions. And when do you jump in, hopefully? When they are catastrophically horrible for them. What do you think God does? You just make decisions. And when things are really bad, so I call it almost negative guidance. In other words, 90% of it's positive, and when God needs to step in, he steps in. Numbers chapter 22. Prophet Balaam is going on a direction that's not good. And God's trying to get his attention, and Balaam is just steadfast, heading the wrong direction. Nope, this is what I want to do. Anybody ever been going the wrong direction, and your friends are trying to tell you, man, wake up, wake up. And you're like, nope, nope, no, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. So all of a sudden, on his path, God drops an angel, the angel of the Lord, and the angel of the Lord has a sword drawn, 
right on the path. Balaam is riding his donkey. The donkey sees the angel. Balaam does not. Why? Because when you're going the wrong direction in a stubborn way, you miss a lot of things. Is this true? Got my eyes closed to the things I do not want to see. Who's, who here has ever just closed your eyes to the things that I, I don't want to see? It's not that they aren't there to see. It's I don't want to see that. Can't see the angel. So the donkey veers off into the weeds. Balaam's furious at his trusty donkey. He's been so good to him all these years. And he starts to beat him. Get back on the road. What are you doing? The dutiful uh, donkey veers around the angel, comes back on the road, a little further down the road. There's a narrowing of the road, and there's a vineyard, and there's a wall on either side of the road. God drops another angel there with a sword drawn. And now the donkey has a tough task, but he's able to navigate around the angel, but he crushes Balaam's foot against the wall, just inching by. Again, doing Balaam a favor. I mean, you know, sometimes your friends are doing you favors and they hurt a little. Balaam's furious. It, again, he doesn't see. He beats his donkey. What are you doing? Until finally they come to a point in the road where there's a cliff on either side. There's no way around. And God puts the angel of the Lord there and the donkey just stops and sits down. And there's Balaam standing over his donkey. He starts to yell and beat, threatens to kill his donkey right there. And now the famous part of this story you know in the Scripture, the donkey speaks back to him. How many know you're in trouble when your animals start talking to you? God has reached the last resort, right? In other words, this is sometimes... the reason that I say this is comforting is because I think, first of all, what people should do when they're looking for God to guidance is they should relax. Truly, people are worried about, did I miss this? Did I miss that? Oh, no, 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 no. God's good enough to get you there. And if you're really heading down the wrong path, here's what I believe. God is just going to ramp up the volume. Until he gets to the spot where the donkey's speaking to him. I call them roadblocks. One of the first ways I think that God speaks to us is through roadblocks. He just says, no, this isn't any good. Has anybody ever had something just shut down on you before, like this donkey shut down? Sometimes a job just shut. It's over. This is over. A relationship is over. Um, uh, an opportunity, it's just over. It's the, the donkey just sits down. This, this rides over. This ends right here. And you, you want to keep charging and forcing. And like Balaam, you're stubborn. <clears throat> and you keep pushing and pushing. But eventually, you just have to realize this ride is what? Closed. Time to dismount. Time to turn around. Roadblock. A closed door. I think God still speaks to us this way. You know, um... One of the things that happened this past two years, it's been unbelievable for so many of us. Unbelievably challenging, right? And literally, we had to literally close the doors of the church for a while, literally shut the doors. 
Talk about a hard thing to do. And I define different ways of opening the doors. But one of the things that happens in life that you realize is when God closes a door, oftentimes, if you look for it, another one opens. And I think that's the other way God speaks to us. One door closes and another one opens. Maybe not real big at first, maybe not real bright at first. Paul wrote about this oftentimes. In in 1 Corinthians 16, he writes about his time in Ephesus. And he says, you know, God has opened an incredible door here for me. And I, I I can just sense there's so much opportunity here. And listen to this. And he goes, and yet there are many that oppose me. A verse worth thinking about. Why? Because many times the greatest opportunities and the great open doors in your life are often accompanied by opposition as well. In other words, just because God's opening a door doesn't mean everything's going to always go easy. Have you found that to be true? I mean, it would be great. God opens the door. Everything's easy. Not always. Paul has this, he can sense there's an opportunity here. God's opening a way for me here. But there are people who are against me. Great opportunities are often accompanied by great opposition. People will come against you. That's not right. You're not supposed to do that. So sometimes God opens a door and there's opposition. But you you look back at something and you go, you know, I don't know that, I don't think I could have opened that door. Here's a good clue. I don't think I could have opened that door. I think when you step back and you look, you have to go, God opened that door. Now, that doesn't mean Every opportunity is something you should walk through. In fact, some of you have known this before. You've had two opportunities and you had to decide. But open doors are often, not always, but often, a sign from God. Hey, maybe God's opening this door. Maybe there's a reason. Think about this. All the things that have happened in your life, How many times was it that God was behind that door opening it for you? Saying, I've got a new opportunity. I have something you've never experienced before. You know, with all the closed doors that we experience from the COVID and all the challenges and unbelievable. I've been reading articles about how many pastors have resigned. There's alarming numbers of pastors that have just quit because it's just so difficult. Of every challenge, there's an opportunity. Some other door is open. Now, you know, we get emails and, and, and uh, contacts from people that are all over the United States, other countries as well, where because we closed the doors and we had to put more things online and we had to keep ramping up the doors that we opened online, thankfully we had already started before COVID. Now, more and more and more and more people are experiencing this message um, in their home in Texas, in Ohio, in Maryland, in New York. I got one this today. Brooklyn, New York. 
Annapolis, Maryland, Sarasota, Florida, Cocoa Beach. It just goes on and on and on. Why? Because sometimes God closes one door and then he does opens a new one. But what we have to do, and this is so key, because all of us get a little locked into our routines. Who loves a good routine? Man, don't you love a good routine? I mean, honestly, like, I like to get up, and the first thing I like to do is have coffee. Anybody? Does anybody get just a little stressed out if there's no coffee? Man, the other day, I, I, mine is in a little tin. You know, I have these, like, vacuum-packed bag things, and then, you know, I just re- keep re-pouring it into a tin. And I, I was banging the side of the tin to get a few of the last. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It was going to be a very weak cup, and I was so frustrated. What's worse than a week? But I want a routine. I want this to happen and then that to happen. And things take us out of our routine. <clears throat> this isn't going to be that way anymore. And part of our growth, part of our maturity is we go through things when we have to say, this door is closed and now this one's open. One more little thing I'll add. Oftentimes, God guides us with using other people. Now, this can be tricky because, trust me, there's a lot of people that have a lot of things to say. And there's a lot of people that you just need to ignore. I'll just give you that right out of the gate, all right? You need to know which people to ignore. You need to know which people you do not need to make happy. You can be nice to them, but I don't need to make you happy. If you're disappointed in me and you don't like me, sorry. But it's also true. God puts people in our life, sometimes at just the right moment, to nudge us, to speak to us, to say something to us. And I won't say this has happened to me a bunch of times, but it's happened. One time we had a guy here, he came as a guest speaker. I, I, I won't tell you his name, but you, you'll know it very well, very well known. And he didn't really know me, but he just, I picked him up from the hotel, I was bringing him here, and he said something to me that was so profound about my life that I don't know how he would know. And he just, it was just like, it was just like he had just, you ever felt like this, like this guy just opened you up and just reading the insides of you? reading your history to you, and saying something. And sometimes God just uses other people to speak to us. And here's what I tell everyone. What you, the most important thing to do is to take all these things, the closed doors, the roadblocks, the open doors, the people, the conversations, and to sift it all together in your own spirit, in your own spirit. Because at the end of the day, God speaks to you in that still, small voice down in here. In John 16, it says, the spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. The spirit. The funny thing about that is the spirit, that's a very non-tangible thing. It's the complete opposite of a big star or an email. It's very intangible, but the God's spirit. But, you know, there's something to paying attention to what's going on on the inside. Have you ever been a part of something or done something or we're going to make a decision and it, 
The only way to describe it is it just didn't feel right. It just doesn't feel right. Please tell me I'm relating to one, at least one person today. This just doesn't feel right here. What is that? Couldn't that be the internal guidance system? Have something going on, and all of a sudden you made the decision, or you went a certain way, and then it felt right. Your shoulders felt lighter. It's like this, yeah, this is this is it. That's the GPS of God guiding you. Now, um, the Magi get there and they give their gifts, and they worship and they bow down. And I think, man, there's so much gold in that. That you know, we need to bow down and have something bigger than us, and we all have a gift to give. I think these are incredibly important things to say. But I want to leave that for the weeks coming up, that you have a gift, and that the fulfillment of your life, which is your worship to Christ, the fulfillment of your life is the giving of that gift. And some people never realize this. They never realize that it's about giving your gift. It's not about collecting your gift. For the Magi, it wasn't about getting the gold. It was about giving the gold. And we're going to explore that in the weeks ahead. But I'll just close with this. (laughs) When they were done, it says they returned by a different route. Why? Because I think when you meet Christ... It puts you on a different route. Is this true? It just puts you on a different path. It's like, you know, I, I, I just feel I, I got. And, and you meet people, and you have friends at work, and they, and they talk all this stuff, and they're on a they're on a path, and you just think to yourself, that's just not a path I'm on, and that's okay. I met something more significant in my life. Who here could say that? You know, I w- once you meet the Christ. You got to travel on a different route. I, I got to go a different way here. They went home by a different route. The Bible calls that repentance. But all it means is to stop going on this road and to start going on this one. God has a different route for you. And they returned, and you will return on a different way. People also call this the second half of life. Second half. The first half oftentimes is consumed with yourself. Who found yourself consumed with yourself in your 20s? Huh? Oh, unbelievable. If you're 20, I'm sorry. There's hope for you. But, uh, (laughs) you know, there's a few really exceptional 20-year-olds, there's no doubt about it, who mature early. But you know what I'm talking about. Isn't it true? It's just about me. It's about what I'm accumulating and doing and proving to people and showing people. And it's all about building yourself up. And, and maybe that's important. Maybe there's, there's some necessary part of that, building your identity. Maybe they had to collect that gold and that myrrh so they could give it away. But when you make that transition, when you figure out what it's really all about, That's where the joy comes in, the second route. They went home on a different route. Can I just say this? You're going to find so much more joy on that road. When you realize that life is about giving it away, and that's what we're going to talk about in the weeks ahead.